0: In motion is Sewell, Goff to throw, wants to throw it to Sewell, uh-huh. he caught it. Boy yes. Sewell on the first down, yes. the big man dives down to the
1: 31 yard line.
2: Welcome to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft here in Phoenix at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And I'm joined by Aiden Hutchinson. Young. Aiden, congratulations on Pepsi Rookie of the Year. Thank you. And for the nomination for NFL Rookie of the Year for the NFL Honors. Yes. Just talk about uh, you know getting those kind of honors. And it's just a season that you had and it yeah. ending this way and, and being recognized for all that hard work.
0: No doubt. I mean, I feel like it's a great recognition, man. It feels great when you put in so much work for those 17 games and you get recognized for it. And winning the rookie of the year that was great and now we're going for deep at the rookie of the year yeah. so i i'm fired up i'm super grateful and um really just 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 blessed you know i, t- I
2: stopped by your locker later in the season yeah. and, and i remember asking about the rookie wall yeah. and, and there you know we, we see it all the time and you were like i don't think so because i'm born to play ball no, like no. that's what i do no, no. you certainly didn't have the rookie wall just yeah. how much did you love Football being the focus, and yeah. and that it, and and now that
0: transition to the yeah. NFL. I mean, that's what I believe. What it's the only thing to not feel that mental stress during the season is you think about you got to find that joy and love in what you're doing even in even in season. You know, I, I love the game of football so much. I love playing at a high level. I love producing. Um, you know, it's it it gives me so much joy. So having to look forward to things like that. Made that rookie role not even not even a thing, you know. You know, it's one thing to stay home
2: and, and, and play for your hometown team. Your jersey was the number one selling jersey in, yeah. in, the, in the state of Michigan, but yeah. it, it, to be beloved the way you were, yeah, I mean, you, you saw that reaction at fourfield Field. Oh, it, yeah. There were so many Hutchinson jerseys yeah. there at Fort Field. It's just the love that you felt, and and then to be able to to produce the way you did for them. Yeah. Just how rewarding
0: was that part of it as well? It's it's amazing, you know, ha- having those fans. Those those Detroit fans are something else, and they're so supportive. Even when we were one and six, even even at that moment, they, they were still coming out. Hutchinson jerseys were there, screaming, still wanting it all, and that's what I appreciate the most about them. You know, because Detroit fans have been through the they've been through the mud, man, especially these past few years. So. Um, we're just hoping to turn this ship around. I think we have, and now we just got to press on the accelerator. Look, when Detroit took you number two overall, we knew the sacks were coming. Yeah, Three yeah. Picks. Yeah.
2: Where they? I think you did one passer pro on your
0: pro day at yeah, Michigan. Where, where did that stuff come from? Where would they come from? I I played tight end in high school, so I got those little natural high hand-eye coordination, <laughs> ball skills, but um. I don't know, God. What's that? What's it's, that? That feeling has to be great. Oh,
2: right? I great. mean, especially the last one when you're yeah. open field like that. You just get it. You see open I know, space. I, I mean, big
0: guys don't get to run with interceptions. Oh Why my not? God! I mean, how fun was that part of it? It's being so it's so much that. fun. It's so it yeah, being able to produce in all aspects of the game, which I did this year. It was freaking awesome, man. It was so <laughs> cool. Like catching interceptions. I I got all the balls at my house right now. Like you still it's got them? so cool. Oh yeah, I kept them. I, I I just I love it all, dude. I love it all. What's the focus this off season for you? So successful, nine and a half sacks, three yeah. interceptions, the f- the fumble recoveries. Well, oh, that was just a little appetizer. That's the, the appetizer. That, that that's what, that's that's how I view it. That was a little appetizer. That was me being a rookie and not quite knowing, especially early in the year, not quite knowing, um, not quite knowing the the NFL and how things go and stuff like that. But I think you give me this full off season of training, I'm gonna take off to a new level. I want to ask you about Todd Wash a little bit. I'm not a guy a lot of people talk
2: about. Yeah. you know. Aaron Glenn gets a, gets a lot of the talk about defense, but Yo. Todd Walsh is a guy that moved you around, allowed you to do a few different things, yeah. listened to kind of what you had to say, what you wanted to right. do. Right. What does it mean to a player to have a coach, especially a position coach like that, that's like, it, it's not my way or the highway. It's, yeah. hey, let's do this thing together. What works best? Let's formulate a plan. And obviously, no for you, it, it was a success.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that, that's what I appreciate most about that staff, and especially you know, Coach Walsh and AG just just hearing me out and, and listening to me about some of the things I wanted to do yeah. and some of the places I wanted to be um they hear me out and 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 I I did my thing when, when they moved me there so that's the most important part so but I'm just I I am very grateful for them for 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 just very being very accommodating and just communicating and having coaches like that are huge how fun were those last 10 games Aiden when you guys were really playing ball I, I don't oh, think there's
2: a team in the NFC that wanted to see you guys I know play out it's in now yeah. to have that momentum going into the off
0: season, it's a it's it's a damn shame we could have get in the playoffs because of how how hot we were, and um, you know obviously you look back you can say if we beat Carolina it would be blah 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 but the cards fell the way they fell and um, man those last ten weeks of ball were so much fun though like it was it felt so easy when you're winning at the college level at the NFL level it feels so effortless when when you're just stringing wins together. And then on the flip side, being on the flip side now, I, I, I was on the flip side in the NFL. Losing can feel so inescapable, <laughs> and like it is crazy feel like that you can't find the course, course of 18 games. I know, you know, I know. It's I felt that in the course of of those 18 weeks. So it was. I'm grateful for it all, the ups and downs this past season. I'm grateful for it all. Last one from me. Obviously, the excitement is building
2: with you in the season that you had but then james houston goes on late oh yeah josh pascal showed a little bit there yeah ali McNeil's still a young player just that defensive line what do you think the future holds for you guys because it looks like it 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 really is a a young collection of talent that's
0: just a center oh i know i mean we got so many young guys in the room it's actually ridiculous so man it's gonna be i just think all around the board we're young and i think this kid keep giving everybody one more year and it's just like we're gonna get that much better and that much better and that much better and i feel amazing going into year two now i feel like i'm about to slide it up dude you heard it here first year was just
2: the (laughs) appetizer that's right that's right lions fans are gonna love that too Aiden, congrats on a great season yeah and and the defensive rookie of the year nomination good for you yeah thanks for joining thanks man appreciate
0: Appreciate you guys yep
2: Welcome back to the 20-minute huddle podcast presented by Microsoft back here in Phoenix Radio Row. Welcome in, Nate Burleson. Nate. What's up, baby? Congratulations on everything, man. I got to say that first off. You were always one of those guys when you were in Detroit that was, you could always count on. Mm. You were always available to the media. You always spoke poignantly, honestly, and I know us guys, and now that you're in the media, I know you can appreciate guys like that that are just always available, always honest always speak their mind, and you were one of those guys. You were one of those true guys. and So I'm gonna start this first by a thank you and appreciate oh, it. And just, did you ever, when you quit and you decided you wanted to do this, mm. did you ever... That's a good question. You know, imagine I, that you got this
3: kind of success. Uh, first, let me say thank you. I appreciate those kind, kind words. Uh, I will receive those words. Um, and I wanna say I appreciate you, man. You were one of those individuals that um, gave me faith in the other side of media, you know, because, there's some, some horror stories where players develop relationships and they realize, you know, the same people that built them up will tear them down. Um, you were always honest when it's time to be critical. You were, I mean, when it's time to give praise, you did that. So I just want to say, I appreciate you. It's great to see your brand elevating. And I hope that you continue to get the shine and love that you deserve because you put in work, man. And I, and now being in this business on the other side of it, I know about those long days and short nights, man. And you've done that for a long time. So thank you. Appreciate you. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't think that I would have this type of rise so quickly. Um, but you know, it's it's all relative. You know, people look at me and say, Wow, man, it seemed like you just retired, which I did in fourteen. But since then, I have been putting in work. Um, and I've been trying to like sharpen every single tool that I have in this space. Um, and even before that, like I was working in media with every team that I played on. So, um, you know, this has been a build up to where I am in my career now. I and mean, I don't take it for granted. I wake up every day with the same type of enthusiasm and energy. I'm the first one on the set. I'm putting in the work. And, um, and it's funny, man. I was chasing these Lombardi trophies, and I had this void in me for so long because we didn't win. And now I'm winning Emmys, yes. which is pretty surreal. And and I'm blessed, man. You are.
2: Let's talk about Detroit a yeah. little bit. Because up, I know Detroit. I know you always have a, a soft spot. 100%. For Detroit. 100%. And, and to see what dan campbell and brad holmes are building there you've been inside locker rooms you've been inside good ones you've been inside bad ones throughout your career and all indications are that that dan has built and brad has built a terrific culture here And that's really where it starts isn't it nate before you have success on the field in that locker room yep Everybody's got to buy in. You've got to have the right culture first. It's so funny because when he first started, you know, the biting
3: kneecaps and on the way up, we'll take out another kneecap and people were laughing. Is this guy for real? Is he, is he just this this special teams coach masquerading as a head coach? You know, are, are people really buying what he's selling? You would hear these things. And I'm like, yo, one, give it an opportunity. And who are you to judge from the outside in if you don't know how the locker room is responding to this man? And then once you start seeing the players respond, that's the mark of a good motivator. Head coaches are so many things, right? They're a little bit of OC, a little bit of DC, um, but mostly they're motivators. And I say it's so hard to motivate men with millions, and he has successfully done that. And he's also lifted up this city. I just love what, the, what he's brought to Detroit because he represents so much, of, so much of what Detroit is. Hardcore, unapologetic, enthusiastic when he has to be, but also hard on his team when he needs to be. Um, you know, I saw Jared Goff. Last night, and uh, we were at the honors backstage, and there's a bunch of guys there, and I shot over to him, though, and I just wanted to tell him thank you. I was like, you know, you put Detroit on your back, and you were another guy that proved a lot of people wrong. I mean, that trade, it looked bad for what Detroit was receiving because of the perception of the trade and then the immediate success of Matt Stafford. But last year, Jared Goff was one of the best quarterbacks. Let's just call it what it is. And he had one of the best years. Uh, my man was cooking, and that's exactly what I told him. I was like, "Keep doing your thing, keep balling." Um, you know, I, no matter where I'm at, I always feel like I'm from Detroit, even though I'm not from there. I just I feel like I'm always representing Detroit. Is it about know? that city that, that has that effect on on? on God's it's, like it's, it's the people, it's the, the culture, it's the diversity, it's the it's the collective celebration when something happens in any space, any sports, and like we're all happy for each other. Um, you know there is this this grit to it, you know what I mean? I remember when we were there, the city was going bankrupt, like like literally going bankrupt and and we we decided to help lift the city up by playing better, and that was the year we made the playoffs, and like there was nothing better. you know to me, you couldn't convince me that I didn't win a Super Bowl in that season because it was bigger than just wins and losses, like we made the people proud so. Yeah, man, like like Drake says in one of his lyrics, "Harley home but always repping, so everybody in Detroit just know I'm always repping Detroit.
2: Back to Jared, just real quick. Yeah. A lot of people forget he's 28 years old. Like, he's young. He is young. He's young. And he has produced throughout his... He's three-time Pro Bowl. He's but he's been through it, though. He's been through two, it. He, you know, he's won big games, taken yeah. a team to a Super Bowl, one playoff Also game. been disregarded,
3: also been disrespected, also been that guy who, in other words, looked like a pile of trash on the side of the road because... The team was essentially getting rid of him. Yeah. So the reason I can do we, something to a player, can it? Uh, it? It makes you better. And I, I think you know the the perception that we have of him is this old quarterback that's been through, I know he's a young guy that's had a roller coaster ride. <laughs> right. And he's and he's had some success. So and I, he's found a home. He's found a like, home, man. we said We love Detroit him. Detroit, there's something. Yeah. About, oh yeah. And I, and you think about the money he's making. I mean, it's a deal in comparison yeah. to what these starting quarterbacks are charging these days. I would
2: be a little bit remiss if I didn't ask you about Amon saying. Oh my gosh. And, and just the talent that he has become. And he's another guy that that yeah. has a chip on his shoulder. The 17th wide receiver taken in that yeah. draft. He can spit off all 16 and where they I went like for him. You know, when you watch him having played the position, yeah. being a versatile guy, um, what do you like about Amon Ra and his game and how it fits? Well, shout out to his pops. I met his pops.
3: Oh, did you? And it, it, it all makes sense. He's still rocked out. Yeah, he's rocked out. I'm like, oh, it makes <laughs> sense. This is where they get it from. Um, <laughs> But I, I like him because he can do it all, outside, inside, take the top off the coverage, run the jet sweeps, reverses, use him in trick plays. He's he's physical, he's explosive. Um, you know, he just adds an element. Like when he's not on the field, there's a big difference. So for me, I, I just think a guy like that, one you have to keep him around, you gotta pay him. I remember a long time ago, I was like, Yo, he's gonna get paid. Everybody's like, What? They're like, Who? I'm like, I'm on say Brown, the, the the sun god, you know, the gypsy <laughs> sun god, yeah, him. I'm on raw, and, and he has proven to be one of the better wide receivers. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jamal Williams. I I mean, those two guys. Had him on the pod. Yeah. This week, he's, he's dope. Here. He's dope, bro. That's my guy, man. And and those are two of my favorite players in the NFL. Forget about Detroit Lions players. I
2: love those two dudes. Just where this team is headed, we'll finish off with that. Yeah. You know, we talked about you know, the three thirteen 13 one in dance first year, but you're building culture, right? Yep. You're getting the right guys there. Yep. You improve that to nine and eight, and you look at the St. Browns. You look at the Pene Soules, yep. Aiden Hutchinson. All these young guys, bodies, all these young guys that are now becoming the core pieces, cornerstones. Where do you think this Detroit Lions team is headed in 2023? And take the North, take yeah. the North. That's it. That's
3: the goal. Take the North, and then move on to the playoffs and punch some teams in the mouth. Um, you know things are are going to shake up in the in the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't look like he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. Yeah. You know, you still have um, some growth out there with the Chicago Bears. Um, The Minnesota Vikings, as good as they were, one of my forward teams, wildly inconsistent. Yeah. So, take the North. Take the North.
2: Yeah. I know Lions fans will love that. Thanks thanks for stopping by. Congratulations on all your success, man. I appreciate you, brother. For sure. All right, man. Thank you. Welcome back to the 20-Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft here in Phoenix, Radio Row, and I am joined by eight-year NFL veteran offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Yeah, glad to be here. Well, you know everything offensive line, so I'm glad you stopped by. We're going to talk because obviously that's a huge topic in Detroit with what they've built up front along their offensive line. Really, you talk offensive lines to their totality. Philadelphia Eagles, and, and really Detroit's in that yes, mix, too. certainly. Just when you have an offensive line that's got really four Pro Bowl caliber players on it, I mean, just, just what does that mean for the offense? What can you do as, as an offensive coordinator with and Ben Johnson? Anything.
1: Nothing like you can do, right? Like, it allows you to do so many different things. and. In the run game, obviously, the Lions' run scheme is so multiple, right? They do so many different things well, so you really can't game plan for. Okay, we're just going to be we're facing a zone team, right? We're facing a, a, a gap team, but the Lions are running zone, they're running wham, they're running powers, they're running all these different things each week, so it makes it difficult for defense to see everything that's happening, and then also messes with their keys because okay, guard's doing this thing, but that's like nah, it's not a pull, it's a wham, is a zone, is this, is that, so it kind of makes the defense play a little a little tad slower. And in the passing game, what it does too is when you when you have when you allocate less help for your offensive linemen, more guys get into the pass game. So it allows more options for your quarterback to fill the ball. It spreads the defense out a little thinner, and more holes become available when you have more guys in the passing concept. So, you know, not having to help your offensive linemen allows, I think, your pass game to open up a little bit more.
2: Penny, still in his second season, was a pro bowler. I think we can both agree Taylor Decker is annually one of the yes. top five, six, seven left tackles in football. Just what does it mean when you've got two bookend guys like that yeah. that, are, that are some of the best at their position?
1: Well, as I just mentioned with a help situation, right? So you don't have to help those guys. So it allows a running back and tight end now instead of helping to be part of a pass concept. And what it does, obviously, if you have those guys in the pass concept, it pulls away, you know, pulls help to them maybe or not to them, and guys are more open if you kind of you can layer your passing concepts like they have. But also, too, we, we often know that pressure up the middle, right, from the middle can really hurt quarterbacks. Well, now if you trust those offensive tackles to do their job, the three inside guys can really be three on two. So it allows you to funnel that in the middle and keep that very firm, so it allows for a firm throwing kind of surface for the quarterback. Yeah, Uh, So he doesn't have to really worry about inside pressure. He can, especially for golf, right, he's not as mobile. He can drop back, set, step up, boom, find your guy. So when you combine that all together that's you get that good pass protection you talked
2: about the middle and having a pro bowl guy like frank you know made his second pro bowl this year really one of the top two centers in the league with with kelsey i think when you've got that position locked down i mean he runs the show there i mean all the, the the checks and yeah and protections and stuff like that when you've got a pro bowl caliber center how does everything else just kind of fall in line
1: Man, um, it's so nice because you know, I was I was able to play with one of those guys in in, in uh, Ryan Cleo in Carolina, and you know, the amount of confidence that you have with with him knowing where to go, but also with the quarterback, right? Just there's an ease of comfort level there with, okay, well, we see this same thing the right way, but maybe we don't. Okay, let me trust my center here. And we see mostly, most good offensive lines, even the Super Bowl is here, right? with Kelsey and Creed Humphreys. Like It's hard to have a good offensive line without that anchor in the middle who's kind yeah. of controlling everything and making sure everything works. So, um, it's 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 uh it's a pretty big deal to have that guy that you're so comfortable with sapping the ball every time. And Ben Johnson talked about it, Jared Goff talked about it. They
2: talked about scheming to penesul. Yes. And maybe people might not understand like what you're, you're you're scheming to a right tackle. I mean, we we scheme to yes. running backs and wide receivers and stuff like that. What does that mean when you scheme to to a right tackle to
1: to Well, I, I mean, Obviously, the the catch, you know, I guess just keeping him in the, in the passing <laughs> yeah, right. game. Right. Um, my guess is you're you're using him on the move more, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're he has elite movement skills. So whether we see him in the screen game, which we saw in the Green Bay, there's a you know, clip of him kind of coming around the edge on that one screen. Uh, whether it's him pulling in space, so that's what they're talking about, getting you, him in, get, space. getting him moving in space. You we we'll, we'll use him as our kind of move offense alignment, and it allows you to do not to get to kind of. The degree, but it allows you to do sort of different things to mitigate maybe inside defensive tackle issues by having him be the pull guy more often than the guard possibly. So it allows you to just be more creative and, and mitigate issues by having him kind of using him in a way that you really don't use other tackles.
2: This Detroit Lions offense is one of the top five yes. in the league really all year. I think it's anchored by that offensive line. And it's really a young offensive line with Jonah Jackson, Frank, yeah. and- in, in, in Penn A, just how good can this team be and how consistently good can this offense be when you've got a young oh, core set of offensive I mean, linemen like Detroit?
1: Look at the Eagles, right? Like, they're, they're the example, right? You have five offensive linemen on the Eagles that were drafted, right? They all, they're all drafted. Like, there's a reason why, and, and you know, obviously there's some injury luck in plays and plays in that, and contracts work out well, but the, and they started in 2011 with Kelsey all the way to 2021 with Dickerson. So, they've been 10 years of drafting these guys along the way, and so... You know, when you bring these guys in like they have, you have this core group. And, you know, obviously contract-wise it's worked out for them, but also physicality and the way they design their offense. So it's everything, man. Like you have to have – and I like the way the Lions have built under Dan Campbell, right? Like you have – you win inside out, right? You start inside and you move outwards. And that's how you have to win this league. Dan knows it, right? Because he mm-hmm. played. You have right. to win inside-out. And and that's the way they're building I love it. Well, we love that you joined us. Give us a little insight on the offensive
2: line. He is Jeff Stewart. Spent eight years in the NFL. Great insight on the Detroit Lions offensive line. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate Mm -hmm. you. Welcome back to the 20-minute huddle podcast here at the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And I am very happy to be joined by Steve. Palazzolo and Sam Monson, PFF NFL podcast. You guys do a great job with that podcast and let's get right into it. Let's talk Detroit Lions because obviously uh, you guys are are, are some of the experts, the inside the numbers stuff. And and I guess just postseason looking at PFF, I noticed the offensive defensive rankings and let's start offensively. Obviously a very good season for Detroit offensively. They finished fifth in you guys' rankings. What stood out, I guess, uh, to both of you about just how this team performed offensively all season long? Yeah, I mean, one of the most impressive things for me was the, the coaching performance.
4: Um, I think Ben Johnson was a guy who was consistently getting the most out of that supporting cast, out of the, the personnel that he had, and it's a, a huge sort of thing, huge result for them to retain him over the course of the offseason, get the same thing again, and then presumably be able to add a little bit here and there to, the, to that personnel to get, you know, Jamison Williams into the, the fold in year two when it was really more of a, a redshirt season for him in his rookie year little bit of flashes late on but i think the pieces are in place for that offense to get really exciting next year
2: and so how big of a deal obviously ben johnson people in, in detroit are really excited about him coming back and just getting another year to, to to do his things and and build on the groundwork he built i mean that might be the biggest offseason yeah acquisition for detroit all season long we're talking about free agency the drive it, it, it might be ben johnson absolutely like he was so
4: impressive all season long you could see the game plans involved each week. You could see him out-coaching opposing defensive coordinators time after time. Like he, I think he did as impressive
5: a job as any coordinator-level coach in the NFL. It, it, it just coincided well with all of their recent moves, right? They, they, it seemed like the Dan Campbell era started in the trenches, right? Like, let's make sure the offensive line and defensive line are shored up. We saw the offensive line looking really good across the board, and then they'd you know, took some chances on the outside with Jamison Williams, D.J. Chark for a year. Amandra St. Brown's development has been fantastic. So, just love the way they've built over these last couple years. And I thought they took a massive step forward offensively, whether it's Ben Johnson, Goff's development and the offensive line, everything coming together. And you look at this team offensively, I mean,
2: the two really big pieces are uh, uh, D.J. Chark and um, uh, uh, Williams, you know, the running back. So, uh, everyone else is under contract. Goff, St. Brown, the offensive line, I mean, you know, it, it's really just Jamal Williams and DJ Shark, and so you got to love the pieces that are coming back, too, and some of the resources that they have, five picks in the top 81. They got cap space, but offensively, this team looks pretty set. Would you guys agree?
4: Yeah, and I think the the offensive line was good this year, but the interior was a bit of a mess, but it was banged up. Like, they right. were a, you know, rotating casts of guys every single week that would seem to be a new guard combination, and, and those guys struggle in pass protection a little bit. But if they stay healthier on that offensive line next year, that's immediately, again, another potential upgrade
2: from in-house without having to do anything. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. When you talk about Detroit Lions and some of the struggles they had this year, specifically early in the season, it was that defense. I mean, it was historically one of the worst defenses in football the first seven, eight weeks of the season, they got better as the year went on. I think they figured some things out. They changed some things schematically, uh, allowed guys to do some different things, and, and they were much better down that 8-2 and two stretch. Uh, but the, the, still, they finished 28th um, in you guys' rankings. I guess, maybe what was the biggest thing that jumped out to you? Maybe let's split this up and go beginning of the season and second half of the season. Ooh, what were maybe some things that were,
5: that were different for you guys? I mean, it, when you start with 28th, on the year, of course, it incorporates the entire season, right? They yeah. were historically bad. So that <laughs> that does get baked into there. I think the secondary was, you know, one of the one of the places where you just couldn't rely on them early on, yeah. right? You there's there's still no uh number one corner that you just completely trust, right? Jeffrey Akuda made some, you know, took some strides this year, but just still probably not enough, right? And they're gonna have a decision to make with him on the uh fifth year option. So I think it to me it was just the back seven that did get better over time. Um, But that coincided with the pass rush getting better, right? More consistency from Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston stepping up. Uh, They found some players up front there. So I think they played much better in the trenches down the stretch, and that helped, I think, everything defensively. Yeah, I think a lot of those young guys really stepped forward over the course of the second half of the season. I mean, Hutchinson
4: um, had a great rookie year overall, but in the second half of the season in particular – he had a genuine rookie of the year, all pro kind of season. When he, I think, I forget what the week is, but like week 11 onwards, something like that. The, the list reads the defensive player of the year candidates at Aiden Hutchinson in terms of PFF grade, in terms of pressures. Like he's right there with Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons over that rut. If he'd done that all season long, I mean, that makes a material difference to the defense yeah. in the first eight weeks of the year.
2: And that's tough, though, too, right? I mean, everybody expects a number one, number two pick to come in here and do this. But, I mean, it's such a big jump, guys, yeah. from college to the pros, right? And sometimes it just takes a little bit to figure it out. I think James Houston is a perfect example of that. Here's a guy that was on the practice squad. They started to see some things in practice, and then they got him involved. And, and you know, look what he did. You you find a diamond in the rough. But you got to give some of these young guys some time, you know, sometimes, yeah. too. And I think maybe that's part of the the, the big like you said, Sam, part of the big transition from the first half to the second half is some of those rookies just grew up a
5: little bit, right? And yeah. you have to expect that with some we, Yeah, Even though Hutchinson was supposed to be the number one overall pick and falls to number two, <laughs> we always said, hey, he's not really a Bosa Yeah, You know, he's not really a Miles Garrett or a Chase Young type of prospect. A lot of those guys pretty much hit the ground running or Avon Miller hits the ground running and they were almost dominant from day one. But even like a Khalil Mack took about a year to really get going and become what he was. So you know, taking about essentially half a season for Aiden Hutchinson to um, take that step forward, become a better pass rusher, that's pretty standard even for some of yeah. the better players. I know
2: it's mock draft season and that's the craze, but people sometimes forget free agency comes before the draft. I know you guys on your site recently re- released the, the top 100 free agents. I'm just curious when you look at the totality of this free agent class, where it, where's it? where do you guys think it's, it's strong? Maybe a, a few position groups. That you think our are, are, are teams are going to be able to find some really quality guys, not just day one the big money guys, but maybe into into the,
5: the you know the second week of free agency as well. It's not great overall. I'll just say that like <laughs> the the free agent class is lacking some of the big names. Um, I think interior defensive line is an interesting spot where you can at least get reasonable players, and then you know the NFL uh, some teams have decisions to make on guys like Quinn and Williams and Jeffrey Simmons. So that, that interior defensive line is a place I think the entire NFL um, there's available players and players that are about to get re-upped this year and then the draft itself is pretty strong so i think that's a a pretty solid spot overall
4: yeah i mean i think it's a weak class overall um but i think there's a lot of good players in it It's, it's the kind of class where you're very unlikely to solve you know a problem spot in this free agent group but you can add a lot of important you know starting caliber players or sort of valuable role players to a team that needs a little bit of help or needs to you know, improve a certain area by a, a percentage. Like, there's a lot of good players available. They're just not the ones that
2: are going to come in, you know, be the high price solution to fix an area of the team. Brad Holmes has always been a guy that values, you know, signing his own guys first. You know, taking care of those guys that were pieces down the stretch. So it maybe sounds like this is maybe one of those years where you can get some help, and they obviously need some help. What you talked about, is even secondary and, and defensive line, I think they're going to look to improve that along the interior as well, but you know, maybe signing some of their own guys, the DJ Charks, the Jamal Williams, some of those guys, maybe this might be the year for that because it's not that
5: high-priced, high-end class. Yeah, and look, we love to talk about free agency, we love to talk about the draft, but like my favorite move last off-season that I keep raving about all week here because we're at the Super Bowl was the Eagles waiting for James Bradbury to get cut and then picking him up for pennies on the dollar to be a starting corner. So as much as we love to talk about the exciting plays, this feels like an off-season for creativity, for Maybe some trades. Free agency, it's easy to like look at a list of players and say, and here's what's available. But I think the GMs that are getting a little bit creative, finding teams that are moving on from players, that's where there's going to be a lot of movement this offseason. And and just trades
4: across the board. I mean, we saw last year that all the interesting movement for wide receivers was these trades for first round picks. And yeah. you know, maybe that is the route with a free agent class that isn't necessarily amazing. If you do want to completely transform or overhaul a position group. Maybe you go looking to spend a first-round pick in a trade and bring a guy in that way. All right, I want to put you
2: guys on the spot a little bit. Let's talk about the NFL draft a little bit. I want you guys' top three position groups that you think just overall, not maybe not so much as the talent at the top, but depth, just where you think three position groups were this draft. If you're looking for this, a team's going to be able to find one, not just at maybe, say, number eight or number 18, But, um, you know, into the second round, into the third round, you're going to get some quality
5: guys in what position groups. Let me start with this one. The position that we hate the most, running back, is loaded. I mean, it's really (laughs) – I look at markets, which is the draft and free agency and potential cuts. The market for running backs, there's a lot of available free agents and um, the draft class is loaded. So I think running back with Jamal Williams, you know, not under contract, Do you want to pay him a lot of money? Maybe not, because I think there's going to be really good players to get in the middle rounds. DeAndre Swift entering the final year of his
2: rookie deal as well. So that could be a sneaky need in Detroit, running back. Um, And then I think the
4: perimeters. I think wide receiver is not going to be talked about as a great receiver class because it's another year where, you know, there might not be a Jamar Chase. There might not be a Justin Jefferson. But I think there is quality throughout the entire group, and it goes pretty deep. And then I think corner is another one. Corner solid. one
2: of those guys. And corner's one of those flavors, you know. Detroit and just got a little bit excited when you guys
5: said <laughs> corner back there because obviously that, that's a need, which you talked about off the top. You guys are going to be talking a lot about the corners because yeah. I think uh, every single year we say, hey, there's no true order when it comes to cornerbacks. That's going to be this season. You know, some people are Joey Porter and Cam Smith, and there's all sorts of names that are going to be thrown around, maybe fringe top 10 in the middle of the first round. There's a lot of first-round caliber type of cornerbacks here.
2: All right, let's finish with this, guys. Obviously, Detroit is one of those teams, 3-13-1 in Dan Campbell's first year. Started 1-6, and wasn't good, but really was one of the hottest teams in the NFL the second half of the season. Just missed the playoff spot. And so with another offseason with some of the young talent that they have, I'm just curious what you guys' overall thoughts are of the 2023 version of the Detroit Lions now obviously this is before the draft before the free agency so there's a lot that has to go into this but with what you guys see with what they have um, what they've built some of the core pieces I'm just curious what you guys think of the 2023 Detroit Lions and and, and their potential in the NFC I mean just based off that description
4: of you know three wins almost make the playoffs like the next step is particularly in this division you've got to be looking to win it I know Minnesota had a great record this year but all the way throughout the season, everybody sort of said, this is not that good a team. Like, they've kind of caught the good end of all these single-digit wins. Um, Green Bay weren't as good this year as people thought they would be. The Aaron Rodgers thing is still up in the air. Maybe he's not even playing there this year. This, this is, you know, a Detroit win for this division is something they should be looking for.
5: And, and I just love what we talked about before. They started in the trenches, and to me, this is an off-season for the shiny objects, right? As, as good as the offense was, and I love Amonra St. Brown, and some of the speed that they've added continue to add to the receiving core. I wouldn't hate if they were in the mix for one of those veteran receivers that you could trade for. I wouldn't hate that at all. That's how you win. That's how you win with Jared Goff at quarterback. Get as many playmakers as possible at receiver and tight end, get some corners into the building, and that's how you go and you know, build upon that good foundation that they've started. Steve, Sam, great stuff.
2: You guys, be sure to check out their podcast, a PFF NFL podcast. They do a great job over there. They know everything college, everything pro. So make sure you go check that out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Twenty Minute Huddle podcast, presented by Microsoft. Here on Radio Row in Phoenix at the Super Bowl. Look who stopped by, Jerry Jacobs, Jacob. quarterback Jacob. for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Jerry, you brought the energy on the on the season uh, podcast, yes. so I'm expecting this to be, well, you know, the energy good. I had Jamal yesterday, so <laughs> you got a tough act to them. follow. Yes. Uh, but let's start with this, uh, 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 Jerry. 55 uh, percent completion percentage against you in your coverage. One touchdown allowed, seventy-four point nine passer rating when teams threw your way. I mean, you balled out. I mean, when you came back week nine and, and really you know started playing defense, you were the most consistent cornerback on this Lions roster. So how would you evaluate the season?
6: Oh man, uh, I love that season. Uh, I didn't go how we wanted, but um, everyone played. I think pretty well um, at the end of the season. Um, but I um, evaluated like. We still got some things that we got, we you know, do better to make the team right. But um, overall, I just think we all came together to realize what we need to do to win. Like, and I think we got, we hit that point where, yeah, you know, know what to do. So, um, I'm just ready to get back to get back with the guys, get back the same chemistry. And I'm just ready to get it rolling because I we know what it takes to win, and I think we know how, how how to do it. You know, this could going to be a little bit different of an
2: offseason mm-hmm. for you. When you talk about <laughs> players making that the biggest leap is usually from year one to year two. Yes, you were rehabbing yeah, I, in that yeah. time. You know, I mean, you hurt your knee in December, so you didn't get kind of a true off season. Career. How much are you looking forward to
6: this off to have kind of that true off season for you? Man, I'm looking forward, to Um, <laughs> I, I've been training since I've been training since I got out of um, Detroit. Um, just because I know I wasn't playing at my full hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm ready to come. Uh, I'm just ready to get back in Detroit um, for the spring workouts and you know get it going. But um, this off is just like. Really weird, cause you know, last season I was just doing a lot of rehab in Detroit, but now it's like I can travel, do things like this. I can um, still work out, like so I'm enjoying it. But at the same yeah. time, it's a blessing. Just I can have a, a good one off season. You yeah. Know? What's the big focus for you this offseason? When you went through the film, when
2: you looked at your game, okay. what was maybe one thing you were like, okay, I think this is one thing I kind of want to maybe focus on, or or is it just the totality of it? Is is there one thing? You you kind of focused on that I guess what's the what's the focus this offseason? Sure. Yes,
6: soon um the season hit. I just knew one thing that I really needed to go tell my DB my DB trainer, and I think it was finding the ball because I'm there every time. Like, and I just told him like soon I ended the season. I called him like, hey. If you can help me find a ball, we'll be millionaires <laughs> right here. And that's just the honor, too. Like I'm there, but it's like I wasn't really trusting my knees. So uh, we've been working on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Breaking all that. But uh, finding the ball is the most important point of my game right now. Because it is true, right? I mean, you look at the guys who make the Pro Bowl. Thank
2: you God. look at all those things. It's interceptions. That's all they do. Right? I, I mean, the numbers that we talked about at the top, to me, those are truer numbers. But the casual fan sees interceptions, yes, you know, that's all and, they want. and and Kirby. It, it, and, you know, terrific rookie season, got those four interceptions, and that's why he was a PFW Rookie of the Year. It, it's those numbers, right? So that's the biggest difference that's for you is just getting those things. And it, it's that funny that you said it because off. Darius Slay, when he started his career, said the exact same thing. He had great numbers, considered one of the best cover corners, but didn't have those interceptions. When those interceptions started to come, look at them now. Look at them now. Look at
6: so that—that <laughs> that is the, the, the big thing. thing that one, yes, sir.
2: You know, obviously they're gonna. You know, Brad's gonna do everything he can do to improve this football team. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. you know, you gotta expect that that's gonna be in the secondary as well, and okay. probably free agency, probably adding in the draft too. How much do you welcome that competition? And and and. How that can make that room better overall.
6: Um, I'm looking forward to who he um go get in a free agency or in the draft. Um, you know I ain't scared to come, tish. I love it, so it's just gonna bring the fire to the field. But um, I'm just ready to. I know the guys you're gonna bring in is gonna be ready to compete and help us win, and that's what we need in the secondary right now. So there's no knock on you know nothing like that. We're gonna compete at the end of this football. That's what I play, but you know I compete every day, so I'm ready to go. You know one thing about Aaron Glenn though, he
2: said that you're one of his favorite players on the roster. He called you a dog. What does
6: that mean to you? It means a lot. Um, just because it, I, I, I told him um, I don't like giving up touchdowns, giving up catches. And the first day I told him that, he like, you're a dog. But it's not even about that. He just know I'm going I'm to give him my all every yeah. time I'm going to compete. No matter if I'm hurt, I'm still going to compete. So just hearing my defense quarterback call me a dog and Aaron Glenn is a pro bowler, you know, I'm finna be a hollow Yeah, man, I, that means a lot. So I'm just taking it in and keep going
2: playing behind a, a young defensive line, Aiden is obviously down here up for Rookie of the Year. He just sure got it. <laughs> yeah, James Houston came on really strong wow. at the end of the year. Just what does it mean as as a, as a secondary, as a cornerback, playing behind some young guys that look like that's going to be, you know, a part of, of that defense that, that really clicks up here in, in the coming years if those guys continue on this trend?
6: Man, I was just watching the games this past season. Playing with that, you got to think about it, playing with a hungry young, Defensive line group who trying to attack the quarterback every play, that just make all draw easier. And then with us being more sticky, you know, being on the receiver, that going to make their job easier. So we on the same page. Like me and Jane Houston, after the Carolina game, we just connected because, like, we know D-line and DBs are work together in the game. Like, you know, we were best It's free. marriage, right? <laughs> so, like, we just trying to make sure we're on the same page. But seeing them young guys hungry like that, I'm ready to roll. I think I'm going to get some pits a lot this year here. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to getting things rolling? Now, you got to take your time. you got to get your body
2: right. But at 9 and 8, the way you guys finished, I don't think anybody in the NFC wanted to see you guys in the playoffs. And so to take that momentum into next season, how much are you looking forward to building upon this year and, and really taking this thing to the next step?
6: I'm ready to start it from game one. I, I don't like how we started from game six, but hey, we finished scrolling, but I'm ready to start from game one. And it started in training camp, so. I'm ready to get back. Uh, I know I gotta get my mind off it of right now, but I can't. It's just football. That's what I love to do. And uh, Detroit is where I want to be. So I'm ready to get back out there and do my all. So I think it's gonna be important for us to start early and training the cap, then move on to preseason and you know go from there. A man of his word. He brought the energy on the 20 minute yes, huddle. Sure, you know, every
2: time. Jerry, thanks so much Thank for you. taking the time, man. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the off season. Get to work, come back and we'll talk in OTAs. Appreciate you, you man. Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry.